You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. Please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, we'll get there in just a couple of moments. I just want you to turn there so you're ready. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 6. We are in the final two weeks of our series called The Church, Our Purpose, Our Place, Our Privilege. The final two weeks in our series, we're going to be examining the two ordinances given by Jesus Christ himself. The two ordinances given by Jesus Christ, which of course are baptism and the Lord's Supper. Today is on the subject of baptism. Next week, Lord willing, will be on the biblical reality of the Lord's Supper and why that is so precious for the church. Our main question today is our sermon title. It's this, what's up with baptism? What's up with baptism? This question is very important because some of us, we don't know the answer. We don't know what's up with baptism, biblically speaking. We pray we're going to change that today. Some of us are here today. We're believers in Jesus Christ. We have been born again. We are saved by grace through faith. Yet we have not been baptized yet as believers. And the reason is, again, is that you don't necessarily understand the biblical significance of this ordinance, this command given by Jesus. We hope to change that today too. So we won't waste any other time. We're going to jump right in and get started and learn together. We have a series of questions we're going to answer regarding the subject again of baptism. Question number one is this, what is baptism then, biblically speaking? What is baptism? First answer to that question is this, baptism is an ordinance. It is an ordinance on the screen for you. Baptism was commanded, instituted, or ordained by Jesus Christ to be an ordinance for the church. Jesus Christ ordained the Lord's Supper to be observed by the church. He also ordained baptism again to also be observed in the church. In Matthew 28, verse 19, in the Great Commission itself, I mean, Jesus says, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, listen, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I mean, I don't know what else you need to hear in terms of baptism, how important it is to Jesus Christ. It is literally the first command embedded within the Great Commission, again for his church, of all time. Baptism is an ordinance. Secondly, baptism is a symbol. And we'll spend a little bit of time on this right now because it's powerful and it's beautiful. Baptism is a ceremony where a person is immersed into water, but of course it is much, much more than that, biblically speaking. That's why I have your Bibles open to Romans 6. I want you to look at verse 3. Romans 6, verse 3, it says this, Paul says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, In order that just as Christ, now listen to the symbolism of baptism here, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. 
Look back at verse 3 again. I want to talk about this for a second. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now this passage here is speaking of the believers, so the person who's generally saved, the believers' union with Christ. Let's be very clear though. How is someone united with Christ? What is the one essential ingredient to be genuinely united with Jesus Christ? The essential ingredient is, biblically speaking, faith. By grace, you have been saved through faith. So Paul in Romans just spent five chapters with an incredible argument detailing the necessity of faith for salvation. Paul is going out of his way in Romans and elsewhere. You are not saved by works. Someone needs to hear that today, here, outside, online. You cannot save yourself by good deeds. You must be saved in the work only done by Jesus Christ. We place our faith in his work on the cross. We can't contribute anything to that. We will never be good enough. So faith is the essential ingredient, repentance of sin, faith in forgiveness of sin, only found in Jesus Christ. This is what joins us together in Christ. So baptism then is not something that unites us to Christ. Hear that, hear that carefully. Baptism doesn't unite us to Christ. Only faith can unite us to Christ. So why is baptism so important then? Because baptism is a picture of our faith. Baptism is a symbol of the faith or salvation we have previously had in Christ, again by grace, through faith. Just like a wedding ring does not make you married. A wedding ring is a symbol of the fact that you are married. A symbol of marriage in one's life. Baptism is similar. Baptism symbolizes what has taken place in the past for the follower of Jesus Christ. Genuine salvation by faith. Repentance and faith. So we're learning here in Romans 6, to be saved by Christ is to be saved from death. But in order to be saved again from death, listen carefully, you must die with Christ. Say, so what does that mean? Follow me here, okay? For the true Christian, the true saved believer in Jesus Christ, the penalty of your sin, your old self died with Christ on the cross. Your sin was nailed to the cross that Jesus Christ died on. At that point then, the old has gone. Your sin has been paid for. This is why Paul says in Galatians 2, I have been crucified with Christ. doesn't stop there though. He goes on to say, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who now dwells in me. The old has gone, the new has come. This truth is beautifully paralleled in Romans 6. Look at verse 4. Verse 4, notice. We were buried, therefore, with him, with Christ, by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, notice, we too might walk in newness of life. You know what Paul's saying here? If your sin has been nailed to the cross, then this is certain. If your sin has been nailed to the cross, you become a new creation. 
As Christ died but was raised from the dead, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he defeated death. So all who put their faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, they too then are raised from the dead to eternal life. And faith unites us with Christ in his death, but most gloriously, faith unites us with Christ in his resurrection. Look at verse 5. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. The massive hope, again, of the full resurrection to come when Jesus Christ returns. So all, all that to say this then. What baptism becomes then is a picture of this reality. Baptism becomes a symbol of our new life in Christ. Let me be crystal clear. Baptism doesn't save us. Baptism can't save us. Baptism symbolizes the fact that we have been saved. This is why I try to stress for every person who's about to be baptized that baptism is literally an object lesson It's an outward object lesson of an inward reality of the glory that Jesus Christ has set you free, that Jesus Christ has made you new, that Jesus Christ has paid for sin, that Jesus Christ has caused you to be born again, that Jesus Christ has given you life, that Jesus Christ has allowed you to be raised from the dead and you will never die. You stand in the tank, you think about these things, and you say, I identify with Christ, I stand in the water with his life under the water, death coming up out of the water, his resurrection. And I suggest to all who are watching, unbelievers, believers, I'm symbolizing to you the reality of what Jesus has done for me in the past, and I picture for it for you now in the baptism tank how beautiful that is. Eh? No wonder we clap at baptisms, right? Is there anything greater than this? Is there anything we should clap more for from this? There's nothing more special or great to see someone baptized as a symbol of their salvation and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, we really should hoot and holler and clap and be so excited because that exactly is what is going on. Baptism is an ordinance. Baptism is a symbol. And therefore, baptism is this, then a statement. Baptism is a statement. It becomes our opportunity to declare our faith in Christ to our friends and family in our church family to stand in the tank and say, make no doubt about it, I love the Lord Jesus Christ. And even beyond this a little bit, William McDonald, said this, I love this quote, he said this, there is a sense in which a believer attends the funeral of his old self when he is baptized. Isn't that good? Think about that. Think about that. Look at that for a second. In a sense, you stand in the water and you are declaring the old to be dead It is a funeral service for the old self, which used to condemn you to hell, but now the old is gone, the new has come in Jesus Christ. I mean, baptism's awesome, right? When you see people baptized today, I mean, celebrate that reality, the funeral of the old self, that they are new creations in the Lord Jesus Christ. Baptism has such meaning. You know the number number one reason people are not baptized? Fear. The number one, I already had conversations today about this. The number one reason people are not baptized, fear of man. Listen, in some ways, again, I, I understand that. We want to walk with you in obedience about it. Never, never let the fear of man hold you back from the fear of God. 
and understanding again, understanding Jesus Christ died for every sin, every one of your sins, past, present, future. The least we can do for him is to stand up in front of people who love us and say, Jesus is awesome, he saved me, please dunk me. Right? This is, this is where we're going today. This is what we have to wrestle down. Man, life's too short not to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is baptism? We answered that. Second question is this, why should I get baptized? Why should I get baptized? That's a fair question. Besides what's already been stated, here are four reasons that I should get baptized. Number one, Jesus was baptized. On the screen for you, Jesus was baptized. In Matthew 3, now, and, and many gospel accounts, again, um, describe Jesus' baptism with John the Baptist. No, no, Jesus did not need to be baptized. Why? Because Jesus had no sin. Baptism is a picture, again, of our salvation. Jesus Christ is salvation. So why was Jesus baptized then? He was baptized as an example for us. Jesus came as our representative. This is amazing. So in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus approaches John and says, John, you got to baptize me. And understandably, John's like pretty hesitant. He's like, ah, what do you mean? Like, you should baptize me. I shouldn't baptize you. I'd say the exact same thing. But Jesus says, no, this must be done to fulfill all righteousness. So interesting. To fulfill all righteousness. See, Jesus, although he didn't need to be baptized, he wanted to be baptized to be obedient to the command of God that the people of God be baptized, that every single one of us now can look at Jesus as our example, as our representative, and said, he did it as my example. Should I not do it now? So some people say, Jesus was baptized as our example, but we won't? Let's think through that one carefully. There's a reason to be baptized. Jesus was baptized. Secondly, Jesus commanded it. Jesus commanded it. We've already read from Matthew 28. It's simple yet unavoidable. Again, go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So what baptism becomes, loved ones, for those genuinely saved in Christ, baptism becomes one of the easiest steps of obedience. It's simply a choice. In fact, it's one of the first steps of our sanctification to grow in Christ is to take the step of baptism. Unlike other commands of Jesus that can be perceived as very hard, like never lust after a woman, never gossip, never give in to pride. Those are very difficult commands to obey. But then there's baptism. It's a choice. Will I or won't I? It's a matter of just standing up under the water, out of the water, declaring your love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus commanded it, it's a choice of obedience. I suggest, based on Jesus' command, to obey. Think of when we don't obey. What happens there? Man, God blesses obedience so much. Jesus commanded it, the apostles taught it. The apostles taught it in Acts chapter 2, one of many references. Peter was giving the first sermon of the early church. He preached the gospel, and at the end, as the people were broken, they were saved, and he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Clearly, the apostles taught it, and lastly, the early church practiced it. In Acts 8, Acts 9, Acts 10, Acts 16, just a few examples of the early church practicing believers' baptism. The application is so clear. Baptism was critical to Jesus, critical to the apostles, critical to the early church. It should be critical to us. Again, always remember as you study the New Testament and encourage you to do from here and continue your study, there is no such thing as an unbaptized believer in the New Testament. Let that sink in. There is no such thing 
As an unbaptized believer in the New Testament, that's how important it was to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the Holy Spirit, and to those who were leading again the early church throughout the New Testament. Question number three, who should be baptized? Our study of Romans 6 today is very clear, but let's turn to an additional text for further support. I want you to turn right to the book of Colossians chapter 2. So Acts, Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Let me hear those Bibles turning, please. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. Colossians 2. So good to hear the pages turning. Let's go, let's go. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. Notice it says here again, what a great text on baptism. Paul says again, notice Colossians 2, 12. Having been buried with him, with Christ in baptism, in which you were also raised with Christ, notice, through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. What Paul appears to be saying here is that baptism is a picture of our faith in Christ. Again, another verse that's highlighting that so clearly. And the question becomes then this. If baptism is the picture of our faith in Christ, then what must you have before you are baptized? The answer is faith. You must have genuine faith, repentance from sin, faith in forgiveness of sins in Christ, you must have faith then before you are baptized because our baptism is a picture of our faith in Christ. So therefore, you must be saved before you are baptized. True faith in Christ comes from someone being born again, regenerated, regeneration by the power of the Holy Spirit. This person is made alive by the Holy Spirit. They place their faith in Jesus Christ. They are forgiven. They are saved. They are a genuine believer. They are a new creation. So baptism then is a response to true faith. But the Bible so clearly teaches. So here's a couple of questions. Can an infant have true faith in Jesus Christ? Can an infant place their trust and faith in Jesus Christ? Can a parent choose faith for their child? Can a parent cause salvation for an infant? We know of course they can't. Of course they can't. Every single human being must answer to God on their own, again, their own place. They must answer for themselves. You never get to the end and be like, well, what she said, or what he said, or what my dad said, what my mom said. It's never going to work. Every single person is accountable for themselves. Faith is required before baptism is to be observed. Just to prove this point further, let's uh, see a bunch of passages on who should be baptized on the screen for you. Um, Acts chapter 8, verse 12. Notice, notice the progress, okay, in all these verses. Notice. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, then they were baptized. Notice, they believed and they were baptized, both men and women. Acts 2 is on the screen next. Notice, Peter, again, we heard this already. Repent and be baptized. Notice the order. Every one of you, 
in the name of Jesus Christ for the, for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent, believe, be saved, faith, then be baptized. Acts chapter 18 on the screen for you. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together. His household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed first, faith first, then baptism. This is the undeniable pattern again all throughout the New Testament. The answer is very clear. Who should be baptized? All believers in Jesus Christ are to be baptized, those who are saved by grace through faith. So all believers should be baptized. Listen carefully. Only believers should be baptized. All believers should be baptized. Only genuine believers should be baptized. So whether you're the Catholic Church and you teach on some form in some way, in all seriousness, they teach that baptism causes, adds to regeneration of the infant. Not in the Bible. Be very careful, not in the Bible. Baptism does not regenerate us. Faith does, by grace through faith. We just went through all that. Whether in other Protestant denominations say that infant baptism indicates a probable future regeneration the utmost respect to the different backgrounds, including my own, as you'll hear in just a second. But what does the Bible teach about that? The point cannot be avoided according to Scripture. Baptism follows faith. It's a symbol of our salvation. And maybe you're here today and you say, well, I was baptized as an infant. You know what? Me too. So was I. But the problem that I had about being baptized, and it's no disrespect to anyone or even like the way my family and we were raised and all kinds of stuff and, my, and like my grandparents. But when I was baptized as an infant, no one asked me if I was saved because it was impossible to. But then all of a sudden, 21 years later, I came into relationship with Jesus Christ and my eyes were opened and my heart was made new. And all of a sudden, Jesus Christ, I realized he was Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ was the answer to everything I was ever looking for. He was forgiveness of my sins. He made me a new creation. I came alive. I went from death to life and the power of Satan to God. Light again surrounded me. The Holy Spirit indwelt me, never to be the same again. That was 1997. And from that point, all of a sudden, I start reading Scripture and I find out, again, it's those with genuine faith are to be baptized. And so then I was baptized as a believer in Jesus. Jesus Christ with my wife right beside me. And that made all the sense in the world. And it was awesome. The way we believe Scripture so clearly teaches it. What we're seeing here is biblical baptism follows salvation. Every single time. This leads us well into question number four. When should I be baptized then? When should I be baptized? We've answered this question essentially, but I want to be as clear as possible in this message. This is when I should be baptized after being saved by Jesus Christ. So there's often this notion, some of you are struggling with this right now, there's this notion of I need to be in a certain place spiritually before I'm baptized. I gotta be a certain level of maturity. I have to come along a certain way. I have to memorize a certain amount of verses before I can be baptized. That is not in the Bible. There is a requirement. It's this, salvation. You must be genuinely saved in Jesus Christ. That's the only requirement, spiritually speaking. 
It's not about everything, having everything all together. It's not about reading the Bible at least through once. It's not about waiting for your family to be there to see you. It's not about lining up your baptism with your birthday. It's not about that. It's about obedience to Jesus Christ. Listen, if you're genuinely saved in Christ, you're ready right now. You're ready right now. If you are genuinely saved and alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, man, the believers did not wait until, until they were mature in their faith. In fact, their baptism was the first step of faith in their process of becoming more like Jesus Christ. If you're genuinely saved, you're ready now. now the only caveat we would say again as elders and pastors here at Hope is regarding young children. Not that young children can't be baptized. There's principles of wisdom, though, as we approach it. Sometimes there's excitement. Sometimes there's just a kind of hear something, and there's just an emotional reaction. Again, we understand that. But sometimes we've all seen this as young people or others have been baptized in a sense of emotion, but then you give it time, months, years, and you kind of look at that person, and you're like, wait, wait, there's no fruit. They're just totally gone. They're not in the church anymore. And you look back, and you say, well, there's something that's not adding up there. Obviously, that wasn't legit. So we want to avoid that as much as possible here at Hope, again, on behalf of the elders. There's no way to do this perfectly. In my reading of the book of Acts, the early church and the apostles, they seems like they, they improperly baptized at least one person, Simon the Magician. I don't see how he was saved before Paul looks at him and says, the gall of bitterness and evil dwells within you. Just to say, but we want to do our very best to see as much as possible as we can see and pray and control that people genuinely saved will be baptized. Here are some guidelines for parents in deciding whether their children should be baptized. Or again, this applies to anyone. Number one, are they capable of giving a credible, believable profession of faith? Can they articulate the gospel in some way? They don't have to be theologians. They don't have to have everything right. But can they articulate on some level? Are they consistently showing evidence of a genuine spiritual life? Is there fruit? The thing I want to see, my kids, I want to see. Is there fruit? Is there the fruit of the Spirit? That's what the Lord produces in us. Do they understand what they are doing and saying? Do they appreciate the importance and the significance of the event? And this can be applied to all ages. And I understand everything I've just said already. If you are saved in Jesus Christ genuinely, that is the only requirement for you, again, to be baptized. Just principles of wisdom as we walk with people to say, amen. If you go from death to life, there should be an ability to explain that on some level. To testify to the fact that Jesus Christ, again, has set you free, even if it's not in technical Christianese. We actually don't like technical Christianese. Just to express from the heart, though, to say, I know I was dead, but now I'm alive. We're like, awesome, let's go. Baptism, boom, there you go on the tag. That's awesome. This is what we're praying for. Because people who stare at you, though, and be like, what does it mean to be a Christian? Like, uh, to be a Christian, it means uh, I, do, I do good? Well, no. And that, this happened many times. Right? Tell me, how does someone become a Christian? By being a good person. Mm, no, no. That's not how someone becomes a Christian. It's by repenting of my sins and placing my faith in Jesus, in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins when he died on the cross and he gave me life. That's how someone becomes a Christian, by grace, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We can never be good enough to become a Christian. But all that to say too, when someone is genuinely saved in Jesus Christ, man, baptism is the next step of obedience. 
And now we hit our fifth and final question. How should I be baptized? How should I be baptized? It's good to know there's very little dispute in regards to the way that the early church baptized. The word used for baptism in the New Testament is always either one of two words, bapto or baptizo. Clearly means to dip in the Greek, to dip or to immerse under. There are numerous other words that the New Testament authors could have used in the Greek. So many words available if they wanted to. They could have used Greek words for sprinkling, pouring, or moistening. But every single time, the word that is chosen is either bapto or baptizo. And that comes literally from a, a dye or a garment being immersed into a dye. That was the literal meaning behind that word in ancient times. The word baptism is used 82 times in the New Testament, 61 of those times referring to a person placed underwater. 14 times it's used to be going through or under a painful ordeal, as in like the Jesus, Jesus and his baptism of suffering. The other seven times refers to being baptized into the Holy Spirit, fully immersed by the Holy Spirit. Again, the point being here, the word immersion is to go under or to dip into. Beyond this truth, there are other scriptural references that point to immersion as the practice of baptism. In Mark 1, um, describing Jesus' baptism, it says, And when he came up out of the water, John 3, John the Baptist was baptizing because water was plentiful there. Acts 8, Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch, it says they both went down into the water. All of these examples suggest immersion as a mode of baptism as opposed to sprinkling or pouring. The best part, though, of baptism by immersion is what it symbolizes or what it pictures. Identifying with Christ in his death, in his burial, and his resurrection. And that is the beauty and the power of and the significance of baptism. So what's up with baptism? Um, a lot of really, really good stuff is up with baptism. Very important to the Father, very important to Jesus Christ, and very important to the Holy Spirit. And we get to see some baptisms today. It is. Awesome. In fact, there are three people here right now, I believe, and they are going to actually stand up right now and come forward, and they are going to be baptized, so you guys can do that right now. Let's give them a hand, church. Let's clear them on. Here we go. Amen. Amen. Go give it up. Give it up. Different format today. I love that so much. We get to preach on baptism and then see baptism in front of us. Again, baptism is so good, but just before we see our dear brothers and sisters baptized in Christ before us today. I only have one more question. And this is the question for all believers in Christ right now who have yet to be baptized. The question I have for you is, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Hey, here in this room right now, you're baptized or you are saved in Jesus Christ, not yet baptized. What are you waiting for? Hey, outside right now, sitting on the front lawn, you are saved in Jesus Christ and not yet baptized. Hey, those online right now, you are saved in Jesus Christ. You have not yet been baptized. What are you waiting for? I mean, it's, a, it's a fair question that's got to be asked. There is no such thing as an unbaptized believer in the New Testament. So listen, you're running out of excuses. 
You're running out of excuses. In fact, right now, the Holy Spirit, man, he's knocking on your heart. Right now, your heart might be beating a little faster, a lot faster than it was a few minutes ago. Because the Holy Spirit right now is reaching down to you and says, my child, it's the first and in some ways the easiest step of obedience if you're genuinely following the Lord Jesus Christ. I love what it says in Acts 22. It says, and now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized. And why do you wait? Rise and be baptized, calling on his name. So we have baptisms today. But Lord willing, two weeks from now, we're going to have a bunch more baptisms of people who are responding in faith to Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit right now who is calling you to be baptized and we want to know who you are. You can sign up online right now on our connections card and indicate. You can fill out a connections card and you can go to the connections desk and hand that in. I need to be baptized. But even better and more encouraging right now for us in this room right now or outside our overflow, wherever it may be, I wonder who here right now the Lord is calling you to be baptized today. And we want to know who you are. Hearts beating fast, the Holy Spirit working If that's you today, and you know without a doubt, I mean, you already know this me for several minutes now, the Holy Spirit's like, my child, it's time for you to be baptized in obedience to me. I want you to stand where you are. I just want you to stand right now. You get to give you a t-shirt and give you a card for the Lord is working. Amen, brother, right there. Amen, that's awesome. Who else? Amen, right there, amen. That's good, yes. Who else? Who else? Amen. Who needs to be baptized today? Amen. At the back, brother, what's up? I love it. I love it. Amen. Amen. You can stay standing until you get your shirt. Right there, sister, baptized? Yes, let's go. I love it. Who else needs to be baptized? Amen. 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 Some of you right now, here's what always happens, man. It's the, it's the wrestling match with God. I know, I know. I saw it last service. It's remarkable. Maybe outside right now, online right now, again, you got to sign up. God is calling you right now to be obedient to him, one of the easiest steps of obedience. But maybe here even right now, maybe right here in this room right now, it's the battle of the Holy Spirit. But just to, in front of brothers and sisters, the Lord calls you, is there anyone else here right now that you're trying to fight it, but the Holy Spirit's like, man, child, give up, give up, that you want to be baptized. Your turn to stand, that we can just love you right now and cheer for you. Anyone else here right now? Anyone else here right now? Maybe outside, here. Give a few more seconds. It's always amazing. I talked to people after last service. like, I was, yes, I love it. Amen. Let's go. Let's go. Woo. Amen. There you go. Ah, it's so good. I love it. I love it. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. A young man came up to me after last service, and and, uh, he was there watching a a friend be baptized. And he was like, Pastor, I just want you to know, man, I was this close to standing up. I was just so afraid. I was this close. Number one reason, fear. I'm like, brother, I get it. I get it. But don't let that stop you. This is about Jesus Christ. He died for you. You can speak for him. You can speak for him. And I love it. He's like, I got to do it. I got to do it. I go, amen, you got to do it. And Lord willing, he will do it. Anyone else? Yes, I love it. I love it. Let's go. Right there. Right beside you. Amen. Uh, Amen. I love it. I love it. It's amazing. The Lord working and the Lord working and helping and encouraging. Encouraging. We're just not in a rush today. 
We're just not in a rush. I wonder what's happening outside. I pray the Lord's moving and overflow the Lord's moving. This is young people here today. You know, like, time to commit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen right there. I love it. Yes. Woo. Amen, young woman. I love it. Woo. You can't blame me for waiting, right? You can't blame me for waiting. Just don't want to rush these moments. They're so precious. We need them so much. Be praying for all of you as the days go by. We'll be meeting with you, calling you. You've got a filthy information on the card that you were given. It's so important. And you can hand that into the connections desk before you leave today because we can connect with you, love you, and walk with you as we prepare for baptisms coming up in a couple weeks from now. And if you are here today and you know that the Lord is calling you every reason right now and just <laughs> your legs won't work, then um, you've got to sign up before you leave. You go to the connections desk. You've got to sign up today before you leave. Again, just respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Man, Lord, hear our yes. Hear our yes. Not our no, our yes. And now we get to watch baptisms for real. Isn't that awesome? So thankful. Amen. Amen. Let's just pray. Lord, thank you so much as your church that we are seeing the fruit of obedience. And I pray, Lord, you will lead so many, so many in these days to respond to you. I pray for those online right now. I just wonder, Lord, who online right now, they're sitting there and their hearts are just so filled with conviction in such a good way and excitement and joy and they know they have to do it. Give them the encouragement and the resolve to follow through. They would contact the church, Lord, and they would find a way to get here so soon that they might fulfill obedience to Jesus Christ. Lord, lead us now. May we rejoice in these testimonies, I pray you give them such encouragement and faith and love them so much as we hear this now. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.